Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of the Natty Cast. I am your host, Peter Bowman, and in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Chris Elkins, who is an online coach and fitness entrepreneur, and he was my coach for a bit in the past. And bear with me this episode, the audio was somewhat messed up. I'm still trying to get the hang of things um, with the podcast. Uh, my audio was a little low, so I had to edit it up, and there's a bit of static behind my voice. Hopefully, it's not um, too annoying, but we talk about Chris's background getting into fitness, um, natural bodybuilding, online coaching, and even a few other subjects, so hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, here you go. Yeah, welcome to the show. It's good to finally talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, um, I'm just going to start off i guess with the generic question like what really got you into fitness i know you were like active um your whole life somewhat you joined the military correct yeah uh, uh, like a year after high school i signed up for the marines and um did five years had a five-year contract and so i you know i did fitness type stuff for a while but um i I didn't ever like you know i i wasn't like a regular weightlifter i'd you know, when I went to Iraq in 2006, I, that was probably the most consistent I'd ever been. And that was really like only half the time I was there. So I was there for seven months. So maybe for about four months, I went consistently. Um, me and my roommate were like every day in the gym. And um, we didn't, we weren't very educated or didn't really have much knowledge. But we, and we didn't even train legs because we didn't want to get bulky legs. And <laughs> so, so we, we took creatine for the first time. It was like uh, Nitro Tech or Cell Tech or something. And I remember it had like 70 grams of sugar. And this was the first time I had ever um, like intentionally ate more than than I would normally eat just based on my appetite. So I was like actually trying to make gains. Yeah. And um, and I did. I got up to like 153 or four pounds. I don't think that was like morning weight, though. I think that was like like closer towards middle of the day whenever we were working out or whatever. I weighed myself at the gym type of stuff. But um, as soon as I got back, I kind of lost that and uh, and went back to being like, between 140 and 145. Yeah. Then I got into um, road biking. Once I got out of the Marines, I started working at a um, calibration company. And I, I was like, I just fell in love with riding bikes. So I did a triathlon and um, that was really hard. It was, I mean, it wasn't like a really long one. It was like, I guess, Olympic distance, whatever they call it, but, which is like, um, uh, it starts with a one mile or one kilometer swim. I don't remember which. No, I think it was one kilometer swim 25k bike and uh and a 6k run and uh and it was hard and i I didn't do very well because i didn't really train enough but that just like cemented the fact that i really liked the biking portion of it so i started biking a lot and and, uh, riding road bikes and i I probably lost a lot of muscle because i wasn't really lifting i wasn't in the marine so i wasn't doing as much calisthenics either and then i did a half marathon um maybe like a year or two after that in um 2011 and uh, then I started rock climbing, which is um, rock. I don't know if you ever, have you ever done indoor rock climbing. I've done it like a few times, but definitely not as much as I saw your post the other day about it. Like your forearms were like huge compared to your bike. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I you know, whenever I get into something, I like really get hyper focused on it. So I was rock climbing 
in the beginning, like five days a week. And then I realized that my body was like uh, breaking down. I got such bad tendonitis in my forearms, although they did get, get pretty swole. And rock uh, bouldering is what I was mainly doing. And so with that, you don't need a rope. You just like set up mats and go like maybe 15 to 18 feet or so like up and there's different difficulty levels. And it was so much fun. Um, I actually really miss it, but um, I, I broke my hand playing catch behind my office with uh, one of my employees at the the old company I used to work at. And so I just literally, I had to have surgery on it. Um, and it just wasn't the same after that. Like my grip strength, it was my pinky and I had to get some screws in it. My gr grip strength was completely different. Like um, my other fingers had to compensate. And um, so I just started lifting more and I saw like changes start to happen really quick. And I was like, oh, this is kind of dope. I, I like I like seeing the way I'm looking. And at that point, I was already like 27. So um, I didn't like I didn't had no any aspirations to do anything like super athletic, but I do like competition. So I started looking online and that's when I found Matt Ogus's, um Matt versus videos. This is after looking at a bunch of other stuff like I somehow I got to Kino body probably because the advertising was so good. Then I went to um, Martin Burkham's Lean Gains website and I read about intermittent fasting and I tried it. And then I went to, uh, he had posted something about the Hodge twins. So I, I remember seeing them and thinking they were pretty funny. And um, then I went, I saw Matt Ogus made some video saying that the Hodge twins shouldn't make videos or something. And then like, it was, I guess it was a viral video back in like 2012. Yeah. And then I saw his Matt versus series from 2011 where he did a contest prep and got shredded. And I was like, I didn't even know natural bodybuilding was a thing. I thought to be a bodybuilder, you had to be like on Schwarzenegger. You know, I had no idea that there was this whole like other community. And so from there, I um, I contacted the same people that prepped Matt for uh, 2011. So that was um, 3DMJ. And I started working with them in 2013. And literally the rest was history. Like I did my first show. Um, I did four shows that year and I, I finished first in all but one and I was like, yo, this is fun. Like I, I pushed myself, I found that competitive itch, like I scratched that itch and um, it was something that was really challenging and hard but at the same time really fulfilling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you found it at, it's so unique that you found it at a later time because, you know, with me even, like I started lifting in high school in just like a weight training course. And even like looking back at it now, it's like, shit, like I wish I was lifting when I was like 12. Cause like, I would have had more progress. But like, <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Not, yeah, you see like, you know, you compare yourself on like social media, obviously to people like, you know, David Laid and all them, they're like all like what, 1920. Yeah, they all started when they were like seven years old. Yeah, here's, yeah, it's just like it's comparing yourself to them that makes you like, shit. Like I wish I was lifting sooner. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome, I, I, I I try really hard not to compare myself to those guys because they're, in my opinion, their physiques are all better than mine, and they all started before me, and they all have, in my opinion, better genetics. So it's like I just try to focus on my own personal journey, and I feel like I've done really well. I mean, like I remember how I, like I have pictures of how I looked at like. 15, 16, 17, all the way, you know, through through my whole life, like I, I like taking photos. So I have progress photos even when I wasn't really like yeah. being consistent. At least I was consistently taking progress photos. So I can see like, ah oh, man, imagine where I'd be if I had another 10 years of consistency instead of literally waiting 10 years to get consistent. But that's the thing. It's like you can't go back and change that. All you can do is, um, you know, 
say 27 years old was like my real day one of of getting serious with lifting and I think I've achieved a decent physique from there so that's been six years now it's crazy like how time flies I remember that first year competing it was like this is all so new and now I feel almost like I don't know like I don't know if I should say like expert but I do feel like a veteran like this is going to be my um eighth ninth tenth eleventh show if I do if I do three shows this year yeah and that's the thing with like natural bodybuilding which a lot of people I feel like don't understand is that like when you're um you can do it until you're like 50 you know like as long as you're not doing anything detrimental to your health like steroids obviously i mean it's bodybuilding and resistance training is like a super healthy lifestyle so it's not like you have to retire when you're like 45 or like in your 40s if you don't want to you can kind of keep going until however long your body like holds up you know and you can always work around like if you hurt like a certain joint you can't squat you can always like implement different movements to still uh achieve the muscle gain you want you want because it's bodybuilding it's not powerlifting you don't need to squat bench or deadlift per se so yeah there's so many things you can work around to get the same type of activation like i can't squat but i feel like my legs i'm i'm hoping will be as good as they were if not better uh, my quads, I should say, if not better than they were in 2015 when I was squatting twice a week. Um, I know my hamstrings have come up significantly because since I'm not squatting, um, I'm having to, you know, work, isolate muscles more, you know, yeah. so I, I do like more focused stuff and, uh, I'm putting a lot more emphasis on hamstrings. So yeah, I, I feel like the best guys are in their mid forties, uh, early to mid forties, I would say are, are the best natural bodybuilders. When did you start really getting going with uh, the coaching? Was that uh, more so recently? Or I know you've been coaching for a while, but what kind of yeah? I started like informally coaching um, at like towards the very end of my contest prep after doing uh, two shows and doing well. Uh -huh. um, I still had two shows to go, but I, I had so many people asking uh, that it was like I, and at first I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not really a coach. I just this is my first contest prep. And I made that very clear. But at the same time, I knew that if I didn't charge anything, like if I just did it just for fun, that it, nobody was going to um, actually follow or, or adhere to any kind of changes that I made. So I, you know, I took what I had learned from 3DMJ, and I, I think I charged 30 bucks a month for the first couple people, and they had really good transformations just in a few months. And then uh, the next couple people, I charged 40 bucks a month. And then by 2015, I was charging like $50 a month. And... Um, that's when, um, or no, sorry, 2014, not 2015. That's in sometime in 2014, Legends of Aesthetics was growing so much that they um, decided to take on coaching. And so it was me, Lovato, Matt took on just a few clients because it was so busy. He was like, you know, the main one making content for Legends of Aesthetics. And then we had another guy uh, named Nick. And eventually, uh, Steve Kleva came on. But so I was had a lot of clients. Um, I was doing that as like, you know, a part-time job, and uh, we had a split where the company would get part of the money, and then I would get like I don't know, sixty or seventy percent, and it was going really well. Um, clients at first would be like, "Oh, I was hoping to get Ogus or Lovato," but then once they start working with me, they were like really happy with the progress that they were making. And once LOA in 2015, they closed down. Uh, they, you know, they just basically split up and dissolved the company. I mean, still friends, but. Uh, just decided not to be business partners, basically. And that left me kind of in a weird spot. I was like, oh, well, I still have all these clients. And at the time, maybe I had like 20 clients. And then I, um, I still wanted to do coaching. So uh, I was 
I had just made my comeback from my shoulder surgery, and coaching really helped me stay focused uh, while I was recovering from uh, tearing my labrum. Because if if I had not been coaching, I, I might have just like literally not went back to lifting weights. I might have just said, okay, I guess you know I had fun doing this, and I guess I'm I'm done. But uh, coaching people that were competing and people that were losing body fat and, and gaining muscle just really kept me focused in the whole thing. Like, oh, I can't wait to to make my comeback. And uh, so I prepped in 2015, and that's the year that I ended up going to New York to try to get my pro card. And the, and the trip was expensive. I mean, four tickets uh, during summer uh, to go to New York, you know, so for me and my family, I think it was like over two grand. And then a hotel for the weekend, you know, ended up being a, like a pretty expensive trip. And I, I didn't think I was going to be able to afford it. So I, but LOA had just split up. So I made a post on my Instagram about a month ahead of time, and I was like, all right, so this is a show that I've chosen. It's a super pro qualifier. I had the best chance as a lighter weight guy to win my pro card. And um, and I'd love to bring my family instead of just going by myself. Um, so I'm going to run a special on coaching. And I did. And I got so many inquiries that I was really surprised. Uh, it kind of blew me away. And um, I made like $9,000 that month. And it was like a lot of six-month and one-year clients. But I was like, wow, I didn't think that, you know, this type of – especially, with, you know, at the time I had only like 10,000 followers on Instagram – and, and so from there, I just, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I never run a sale again. That was the only sale in coaching I ever did. Uh, and I posted about it, you know, just every now and then not, I don't feel like I'm like super aggressive at posting about coaching, but I love sharing transformations. Mm-hmm. And, um, I created a website shortly after that, created a name and a logo. And, um, about a year and a half later, I just couldn't do both my day job and coaching. So I had to had to quit my day job and now I coach full time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What was your day job actually? I was in sales, so I sold uh, used and refurbished electronic test and measurement equipment. It's the same type of equipment that I worked on when I was in the Marines, uh-huh. and then I got out and I worked as a, a calibration tech and then a lab manager, and then I moved into sales because it's I just I love sales. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've experienced. I mean, I've barely had any clients, but I've had a few people I've I've helped out. And initially, yeah, like starting people for like free, you know, you think it's going to be good, but then, yeah, they don't, uh, you know, they don't, they're not motivated to do it because it's obviously they're not paying for it. So it doesn't really have that value behind it. Yeah. People don't take it seriously. I don't think it has to be a lot of money, but it has to be some nominal amount, um, that should be appropriate to like the coach's experience. And I mean, I, I, that's why I like, I don't know. I see some coaches that are charging like. $1,200 $1,200 for three months for their first client. And that kind of bugs me because it's yeah. like, how do you even know that you're a good coach? How do you know that you even like coaching? And you're going to turn around and charge these, like, in my opinion, extreme prices, uh, you know, relatively unreasonable prices for a service that you, that is not proven yet. I don't know. It kind of bugs me. But And what bugs me even more is when people are okay with teaching other people to do the same thing. I don't know. Just it's a little To me, it's a little bit unethical. But um, – you know, you you set your own prices as a as your own business. You 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 can price it however you want, uh, and then it's up to the clients to pay. But it's just, you know, I feel bad for some clients that don't know better. Basically, like they don't know they're this person's first first client maybe, and that this is kind of a, a extreme price. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Do you you don't have any like a um sort of personal trainer certifications? Do you by chance? No, I don't. I I did study like this smart fitness one with uh, a gym called Fitness 19, but I just I ended up being so busy, and then we moved from 
the Bay Area to Sacramento area, and I, I never ended up uh, taking the test to get certified. Yeah, that was the same. Right now I'm doing the NASM, and I was supposed to be done with it, like, a few months back, but i kind of just been putting it off because, like, I don't know. It's, like, a lot of that stuff is, like, you know, all the biology and anatomy and 90% of it, I feel like what they try to teach you is not really applicable to being, like, a good coach or trainer necessarily. Because, like, I feel like I've learned a lot over um, my years just doing my own research and my own training and my own uh, nutrition, you know, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, things like that. So, I Yeah, there's like a lot of information out there. I mean the muscle and strength pyramid books by Eric Helms. And I mean, they're great. And that kind of is like what I've been learning for, you know, since 2012, basically. And, uh, and then the practical application of applying it for the last six years and then working with clients, uh, since 2013, I, I feel like, um, it's cool to have a cert, a lot of the stuff in, in the certification, at least the one that I was studying or I completed the whole course. Like I said, I just didn't take the test. A lot of it was for in-person training involving like specific exercises for people with, uh, disabilities or like injuries. And, um, that, I mean, it's important to know that stuff, but as an online coach, you're not going to deal with that quite as much, um, because you're not there in a, uh, in-person type of uh, experience a little, you know what I mean? It's a little bit different, but I think like it's crazy how much I've learned from clients. Like I've had to go and research certain things because a client will, you know, has, has this issue or this injury. So I've, I feel like I've learned a lot about different injuries and different um, disorders and stuff that I didn't expect to ever have to need to know. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, how much you end up learning just by having to do research. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, sorry. I forgot what I was going to ask. Um, yeah, so when, um, how many, uh, clients do you have at the moment? Do you mind me asking? Or like how many, how much, how many hours a week would you say you put into it? I know you're busy like all the time, but like, yeah, I, I recently, um, stopped taking new clients, uh, except for like maybe on a one-on-one -on -one basis. If we talked before I decided I was going to stop taking new clients, but, uh, right now it's around a hundred and, um, I, I work probably close to 80 hours a week, 60 to 80 hours a week. So that's the other thing that kind of bugs me is that people say things like, um, oh, I can work from anywhere. I, I'm my own boss. I set my own hours. Like, yeah, but it's not like a four-hour-a-day type of thing. Like, I'm literally grinding, going through client check-ins and, uh, you know, responding to people, especially Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are my busiest days because a lot of people like to start on Monday. So Sunday would, would be the day that I would write new training programs. Um, and then sometimes I would end up going through, you know, later into the week as well. But, you know, Sunday I might get 30 check-ins. Monday I have another 25 check-ins. Tuesday, 20 check-ins. Wednesday, like 10 or 15 check-ins. Thursday, four or five check-ins. And I don't do any on Friday or Saturday, but then some people are late. You know, they'll, they'll check in late. Yeah. So while, yeah, in theory, you could work anywhere, what – what, what's the point of traveling if you're going to be in front of your computer for 10 hours? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? like, I don't know. I'd rather be at, um, a desktop type setup where I can be as efficient as possible, yeah. but it's, it's nice. I set my own hours. If I want to work in the evening, I can do that instead of working in the morning. But the main thing is like, I really want to adhere to that, uh, 24 hour check-in response time. So, and then all my clients have my, um, Facebook messenger so they can message me anytime. And I try to respond to all of those as quickly as possible as well. So yeah, I don't, I mean, 
I just I love I love it and it's fulfilling, but it's uh, it's definitely a lot of work. I, I feel like I work more now than I did when I had um, two jobs, just just because of the amount of workload. Yeah, it definitely takes some time. I mean, I'm only helping like a few people, and it still takes like like when I'm doing that, uh, you know, that working with them, it does take like a few hours out of my day for sure. Just yeah, like you know, so if someone's um, perfect and they don't need any changes for the week. It might only take 10 minutes to review the email to to respond to any questions they might have or whatever. But then if someone's like, you know, uh, I'm I'm not I don't enjoy the training program. I need to change this up, or um, you know, they've they've hit a plateau and we've changed some things. Then that might take half an hour to write that email or change the programming or whatever, or you know, or even longer. But you know, so it just depends. I would say that uh, it's. It's not as like glamorous as people make like, yeah. um, like coach, you know. So, I mean, people make it sound like, like I'm at the beach with my cell phone, and and that's the other thing is like I hate responding via cell phone. I, I just basically don't do it because you can't. You're not gonna be able to look at a spreadsheet as efficiently. Uh, look at look at training numbers and stuff like that on such a small screen. I don't know. Some people some people do and say that it's fine, but um, I don't know. I just save that for like quick responses to quick questions and uh, DMs and uh, Facebook messages. But when it comes to actually client check-ins, I definitely have to be on a computer. Yeah, the ex- yeah, it sounds like, yeah, it's definitely a lot of experience and a lot of hard work that, you know, goes into becoming like a good coach, which is kind of like what I'm battling with right now if I want to become a good coach, you know, because like I don't really have the experience of being a trainer either in person or like online. Uh, you got like some good experience early on with like LOA, you said. And then that's kind of like you got to show that you are credible and like um, you know what you're talking about, which is largely what I'm trying to do right now, just through like my Instagram, uh, just showing like trying to make those like informative posts as well as like, um, you know, posts about training and things like that. So I just try to show like I'm knowledgeable on there. Um, I've heard on other podcasts now that like your Instagram is pretty much turning into like your resume. Like if you're like, out and someone wants to know something about you they look at your instagram they can know what your profession is you know what you like to do you know all that kind of stuff so that's kind of what i'm trying to put out there on instagram just to show that i'm like knowledgeable and actually know what i'm talking about because i don't have that like in-person experience or like um you know the clients to really back up um you know like i don't have like a portfolio of like transformations to like get more clients if that makes sense so. Yeah, I mean, but that just takes time, and the more people you work with, the more transformations you're gonna end up with. I mean, it just ends up being a numbers game. So as long as you're continuing to offer your service and and work with people on a, um, you know, like a, a cost-effective basis, then I think eventually you'll just continue to grow. And and I think those posts are great that you make. They're a lot of them are really original, and um, they definitely show. The only the only thing is like. Instagram is so hard to grow uh, nowadays. It just it just depends like if you can catch a wave of engagement and momentum. But I feel fortunate that my Instagram took off because I'm not like 100% sure if I could like duplicate what I did in 2016 17. If I could do the same thing now, just with the algorithm always changing, it's I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, that's like what I'm going going like some of those posts take off. Like I've had a few posts get like you know. 40,000 reach which is like insane for me and like even like 500 saves on a few of them but oh wow that's solid 
Yeah, some alerts just like it's just dirt, like you know, nothing, like a hundred likes, you know, barely a thousand people saw it. So it's the kind of the consistency which I'm trying to just push. Um, and that yeah, was like kind and, of it's, my and it's all about getting onto the explore page. If you if you get onto the explore page, then you know, then you know the 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 post made it, and it's like I don't know, you could have two of the exact same posts. You post at different times with different hashtags. One of them hits the explore page and gets a couple thousand likes, and the other one, like you said, will get 180 likes. It's just, I don't know, it's crazy. Yeah, I guess you kind of answered it, but I guess that that's another question I had. Like, I guess tips for growing your Instagram. I know you've done really well with, like, um, the transformation pics, obviously, and then, like, just the pics of you looking insane. And, like, um, I know you've posted, like, a few memes which really caught on. Um, kind of with your physique comparing yourself to like um something else so like any uh tips for growing instagram specifically or yeah in, anything that's eye-catching um but you still have to use good good uh hashtags that are gonna get seen because if it's eye-catching but it's not showing up anywhere then it doesn't really matter how eye-catching it was if it's like in a closet you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so eye-catching content uh, stuff that drives engagement, get giveaways can help, but that's more like building a few people to follow versus like actually getting in front of thousands of people. So for that, it's like stuff that's controversial definitely helps. Um, you know, like yeah, I did the did the pick comparing myself to Simeon Panda, which is obviously it's not super realistic. I mean, I'm like my frame compared to his frame is not even close, but. Um, we do have like a couple similar insertions, and then if you say something controversial, like for like your your physique to me, if you told me that you were on steroids the last five years, I would believe you because your physique is is like really well developed. So, I think it's it's like the same type of thing. Like um, I think it's possible that he could his physique could be natural, and so when I say things like that, people get so mad, but it just drives more comments. And um, and but I actually do believe that. Like I believe that he could yeah. be. Dude, that's a hundred percent. I'm the same way. That's why I'm like so passionate about natural bodybuilding and like why I named the podcast what it is. Because like, I remember when I was like a sophomore before I even like got big did that like bulk or whatever, like I was getting accused of, you know, steroids and stuff. Like my freshman year of high school, I just started uh, lifting weights consistently or not high school, freshman year of college started lifting consistently. And then I remember that summer was dedicated I had a manual labor job. Um, I wasn't bulking. I was just eating like enough. Um, and I was going to the gym every day. And that was like my only priority that summer. So, and I also started taking like creatine uh, halfway through that summer. So when I came back sophomore year, I was a lot bigger. Obviously. Yeah, everyone said you're on steroids. Yeah, everyone was like, everyone was telling me I took steroids. And that, it, that shit pissed me off like so much because I worked so hard and like put so much time into the gym, like literally sacrificed like my whole summer to just like working and working out and having like everyone just like instantly discredit your heart. Yeah. And basically call you a liar too, or say you took a shortcut. The thing is, if you have, if you have uh, round muscle bellies and decent insertions, and then you've been lifting for, you know, anytime consistently and eating, people are going to immediately think that you're on steroids. It's so crazy, especially on the internet where some people have only been lifting or don't lift consistently. They lift like once or twice a week and then they don't do anything right and they eat like 30 grams of protein a day and Doritos and Mountain Dew and play video games most of the day. 
then they see and they wonder like, oh man, look at this guy's results. I don't have results like that. And maybe their genetics aren't quite as good. Yeah. They just immediately think the person used steroids. I mean, it's pretty crazy. But and then but then it's cra even crazier than that is the people that when someone's obviously on steroids, like yeah. a Phil Heath or Ronnie Coleman, and and they don't believe they're on steroids, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, yeah, that's you kind know, of like that's kind of where I was. That's what helped me. I feel like build so much muscle in the past is because like I was kind of ignorant to the whole steroids thing. So you know, Simeon Panda, I still believe he's natural as well. But, like, you know, everyone else didn't think so. And, like, even, like, I don't know about guys like uh, Bradley Martin. Like, I've always believed he was natural. Like it was Oh, yeah, like, he's not. Yeah, no. I, know, I know he's not now because I've listened to his podcast and it's pretty obvious just. Um, yeah, by the way that he talks. Yeah, by the way he, he doesn't, talks. And, like, yeah, all and, and, and I respect that. Like, he doesn't have to come out and say it, but he doesn't walk yeah. around pretending to be natural. Like, I mean, even though Cali Muscle is a joke. I mean, I still think it's it's like kind of offensive to even pretend that he's natural. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> I mean, that was like my mindset back in the day. Like, everyone's natural. Like, no, like I haven't done what they've done. So who am I to say, like, you know, they're natural or they're not? Like, if like even like Michael Heron, like he's probably. I knew you were gonna mention him, dude. Yeah. He's the most amazing. Yeah. Like, like, like if have... he, if he's natural, then that is just yeah. so incredible. Like, and have... and the thing is. He has zero side effects. Like he looks, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm sure maybe he has plastic surgery or something. But he, he, he like has no side effects of steroids. He never, he doesn't really get bigger or smaller. He stays lean and huge. It's yeah. an, it's an incredible physique, whether it is or not. And to me, I, that still motivates me, whether I do or don't know whether he's like you know uses steroids or not. Yeah, I'm the same way because I mean, if he is truly done like i mean his work ethic is nuts he's like up at 4 a.m training and then he like trains again he eats he's done it for like 30 plus years so like who knows like i mean personally for me like i know it's so much harder now for me to build muscle and make progress than it was you know back when i was you know a sophomore like because once you start to like plateau your progress definitely slows down especially if you're natural the thing that really blows my mind with Mike O'Hearn, though, is I've seen him stand next to um, guys that I know are natural, like Encima, yeah. uh, Yang, or even um, Sam Okanola. And these are like, these are big dudes with big frames, Nigerian dudes. Yeah. And and they they look the same size. And I'm like, whoa, dude, what if what if Mike O'Hearn really is natural? Like, Mike what if he's got that like um insane? Like he always is wearing long sleeves, but when he pops that shirt off, it's like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's, yeah, that, yeah. it's that illusion, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's crazy, um, and that's why I also don't like, like for example, Doug Miller is um, for someone that competes natty and is like literally probably one of the best natural bodybuilders of all time. Uh, you know, if he, I mean, dude, he won the Jay Cutler Classic as as natural. Like, if if he said that he had been using steroids his whole life, then I would obviously believe him. Uh, but the fact that he says he's natural and competes naturally and gets drug tested in these shows it's like man what an amazing physique and if that's possible then Simeon Panda is possible and probably Michael Hearn is possible but not probable and like you know that to me that motivates me because it's like yeah where you know I've only been training six years what can I even how can I even think that you know I'm, I'm even close to my genetic potential yeah it's kind of shitty that like steroids is even a thing but it's kind of obvious like um you know, the people obviously avoid the subject, like IFBB pros, for obvious reasons. Uh, 
but like if you're yeah not, i guess like, all their sponsorships and stuff yeah like as a natural though like that's something to be like super proud about so like i've seen on live streams all the time like you'll see like you know an ifbb pro go live and every other question is like are you natural like thoughts on steroids thoughts on that and they always you know kind of dodge the question which to me is somewhat like a giveaway that they're like you know probably doing stuff because if like i was live streaming and someone's like are you natural like hell yeah i'm not like i'm gonna answer the question you know what i mean yeah of course. no yeah i'm excited to t like i'm but proud of it yeah, totally and i want people to know that i that i've earned my physique with you know just on my own without anything else and uh and i and i'm if they were then they i would think that they would be too yeah for sure all right man well we've actually done almost 45 minutes so that's probably a decent that, that's a decent amount of time hopefully people listen to the whole whole thing <laughs> i mean you could probably you could probably trim some of the uh the talk about your stage weight and all that was yeah. five or ten minutes yeah I'll see, I'll see what i do in the editing but yeah i'm still getting the hang of this podcast thing thanks for being the first uh guest bro oh yeah i appreciate it man i had a good time chatting with you yeah awesome so uh, yeah i'm definitely down to have you on again sometime in a uh, you know several months or so if you want to come back on but um yeah it was a good talk and uh yeah good luck with your future plans i know you guys are you getting a max hype booth at uh body power or is that the no so at body power we're working with a company called um i think it's called super fitness store and they sell like um racks and uh, uh -huh. smith machine type machines and so we're going to be like demoing it for them on also obviously doing self-promotion while we're there and just uh enjoying the expo and so they they've like uh paid for some of our accommodations in order to uh hang out at their booth which is pretty awesome and i was happy that we were able to to get that done so i'll be like announcing that i haven't announced that yet but uh announce the booth number and the company name and give them some give them some love for uh for hosting us basically and then in Houston, we're going to have our own Max Height booth uh, June 2nd and 3rd at the American Fitness Expo, which uh, is, a, is a pretty fast-growing expo. I'm, I'm pretty excited. They just booked a new venue because it's getting so big, and uh, and that's hyped. I mean, like that's like two weeks before summer shredding, so people are going to be almost done with summer shredding, and uh, so I, I better make a shitload of progress between now and then. Yeah, dude, you're gonna, yeah, you're definitely gonna come in sick. I can already, like, tell the way you're looking now, and you still have, like, 27 weeks, so. Yeah, the bad news is that I've been the same weight for, like, the last six weeks, so I need to, I need to get on the ball here. Like, it was fine when I had 30-plus weeks. Uh, it wasn't a big deal if I didn't make a whole lot of progress, but I've, I guess I must have been, uh, whether I knew it or not, close to maintenance with all of the, um, days where i've you know been untracked or been too flexible and so yeah. i need to get a little bit more strict and um and, and refocus and commit it and you know do the damn thing yeah i'm definitely in the same boat with my body composition goals just need to like decide on something and uh stick to it but yeah man thanks for coming on and uh i'll definitely talk to you soon so thanks man yeah no problem